Welcome to Using Our Library Voices, a podcast that represents yet another way that Harris County Public Library provides information and resources to enrich lives and strengthen communities through innovative programs and services, both within and beyond our walls. Hello, I'm Beth, the branch manager from the Atascacita branch. The new year has arrived, and with it, the resolve to start the year off right. With 2020 in our rearview mirror, maybe you are inspired to try something new or take a step toward a healthier you. We ready our minds with bullet journals and our bodies with those yearly health exams. We even read a few great books to help us get into a positive mindset. Join us as we use our library voices to help start the year that will be your best year yet. Bullet journals may be the new way for schedulers, but this isn't just a fancy fad. These lists and journals can help organize for a variety of neurodiversities. This is Rachel Moyer, YA librarian from Evelyn Meadow Branch Library, here to talk to you today about the dreaded New Year's resolution and some of the ways you can hack your brain to help you achieve your goals. Goal setting is a valuable mental process, to be sure. We can be a lot more deliberate in our choices if we know what end result we're aiming for. But it's hard to take goals seriously if every year you make a resolution that is abandoned within a week. It seems so simple at the outset. We take the New Year as a time of reflection and decide based on that reflection how we want to readjust our life for the coming year. Maybe we want to read more. Maybe we want to eat better. Now that we know what we want, we should be able to do it. Easy as that, right? Well, of course not. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a whole industry created around selling different tricks and systems for being a more efficient, healthier, happier you. There's so many choices for books on the subject, it can be boggling. Take, for instance, the popular agenda method that is the bullet journal, also sometimes called a dot journal. Did you know the creator of that system, Ryder Carroll, developed it because his childhood ADHD made other methods difficult for him to maintain? He needed a system that was flexible and also helped him figure out what tasks were dead weight so he could abandon them as necessary. And that's baked into the migration and collection methods of the bullet journal. Some systems are more rigid, which can help with building habits, such as the seminal Getting Things Done by David Allen. Some are more devoted to project management, like the Kanban method developed by Toyota. Some are about managing your time in the moment, like the Pomodoro Technique. And you can look up all of these in books at the library. For me, though, bullet journals are the most effective system for keeping me on track, because it doesn't penalize me with empty pages for blank days, and it lets me be flexible and creative. Sometimes silly things get stuck in my brain, and I can just dump them out on a page without derailing the whole enterprise. And the migration method helps make it clear when I should cull a never-done task from my to-do list. I also like to use a modified Pomodoro technique. When I can't get myself to get started on a task, I will do 20 minutes of work time on it and then a 10 minute break until I can get into a groove and just push through. Sometimes getting started is the hardest part and a little promise of reward can help. As you explore the different techniques to reach your goals to find out which one is right for you, we have a few tips for you that are drawn from multiple of these systems and brain science. So here are the tips. Tip one, trying to remember everything mentally can make you like a computer with a million tabs open. Everything runs slower and less efficiently. Offloading information to things like journals, agendas, and to-do lists can actually help free up your mental bandwidth. Tip two, 
Be mindful of goal conflict. Sometimes your goals will clash. You can't devote every evening to a quiet hobby if you want to be more social, for instance. If you have goals that might be mutually exclusive, make a plan for how to decide what to do between them when you're making the goals. So, when the situation arises, you don't end up spending all of your time trying to decide instead of doing the thing. Tip 3. Really broad goals are hard to accomplish. Breaking goals down into smaller pieces and very specific ones can help you actually get started. Try to use the SMART goal technique. Set goals that are specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. Tip 4. There's a phenomenon known as the Zygarnik effect, which basically means people remember unfinished tasks better than finished ones. If you find you're preoccupied with unfinished tasks, try breaking your tasks down further so you can check them off your list and free up your brain space. On the flip side, don't give in to the temptation to check a task off your list until you really finish it. Otherwise, you might forget to come back to it. Tip 5. It's better to set a goal that is framed as gaining something you want as opposed to something you want to avoid doing. So even if you're being jokey about it, don't think of your goal as, say, stop loafing around so much. You can trigger your brain's inhibition systems. A positive goal makes it easier to continue when you slip up, too. A positive goal makes it easier to continue when you slip up, too. Tip 6. Having trouble starting something? Try the countdown method. It's a simple trick. When you're totally stuck and have been saying, I need to do this thing for ages, tell yourself you're going to do it after a count of 10. You might be surprised how well that can help you get the final push you need to get started. And remember, while new beginnings and new goals are on our minds this time of year, that doesn't mean we're locked into only restarting and reassessing in January. You can remake yourself every minute of your life. You don't need the calendar's permission. I hope in 2021 you accomplish everything you need to. Now that you know a little more about organizing your time, it's time to start organizing the space around you. Check out these resources to crush clutter, redesign spaces, and help put harmony back into your home. Hi, my name is Jennifer, and I am the Senior Adult Program Specialist at the High Meadows Library, and today we're going to be talking about home organization. Organizing the home is usually at the top of our to-do list after the holidays. I know that it's my go-to New Year's resolution every year, and it's something that I spend a lot of time uh, doing at home. When it comes to organizing your home and decluttering, the task can seem daunting, but it doesn't have to be. That's where the library comes in. We have tons of material that can help you on this organizing journey. We all remember Marie Kondo and her popular streaming series, Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. But did you know that she also has a book available in our system titled The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up? In her book, Marie Kondo encourages us to organize and declutter based on category rather than location. So, for example, rather than taking the day to clean your living room or like the bedroom, you instead focus on specific categories like clothes, then moving on to books, and then maybe kitchen utensils. As you're going through these different categories, you review each item within that category and only save those that spark joy and discard or donate 
anything that doesn't. One of my major takeaways from Marie Kondo is basic folding techniques. These folding techniques allow me to better store my clothes in drawers and to keep them in a more uniform way. The closets in my house are very small, so I depend on like maximizing drawer space for myself and my child. And thanks to Marie Kondo, I'm able to do that. If you'd like more information about this method of organizing or more of Marie Kondo's tips, check out her book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Another more recent popular streaming series that I've gotten into is Get Organized with the Home Edit. The Home Edit's Clea and Joanna are widely known for their organization of celebrity households, but their streaming and book series offer up easy tips and tricks to get your house looking tidy in no time. Clea and Joanna recommend sectioning your house into categories like pantry, living space, entryway, etc. Within these sectioned off areas, you review what you have, much like Marie Kondo, and decide which piles items belong to. The piles include discard, donate, keep, or store in storage. One way the home edit differentiates itself from most is by aesthetic appeal. If you look them up online, you'll see play areas, bookshelves, and pantries that are beautifully color-coded. The home edit has two books available in our catalog. The first one is The Home Edit, A Guide to Organizing and Realizing Your House Goals. And the second book is The Home Edit Life, The No Guilt Guide to Owning What You Want and Organizing Everything. Personally, I love The Home Edit's method of creating an aesthetic appeal. Their tips have allowed me to organize my child's play area in a manner that looks pleasing to the eye, but is also functional for playing. If you're a caregiver like me, you know that it's important to get the kids involved early with home organization because it's saves you from a lot of future headaches. One of my favorite ways to involve my child is by using colorful bins in her playroom. Together, we decide categories for each bin. For example, we have a dedicated bin for maker-related toys like building blocks or magnetic tiles. Once we've decided categories for each bin, we both work together to place the appropriate items in the bins. She can take the bins out and play with them whenever she likes once they've been categorized and put away, but she also knows that once she's finished playing, everything should go back in its respective bin. Like many kids, mine is still getting used to the specific organizational style, and there are times when everything gets mixed up or a bin gets overfull, which is okay. It just means we have to revisit our categories or donate some things, which is one of the main takeaways of home organization is always revisiting. These methods are great to begin your home organization journey because they give you guidelines you can then customize to your liking. While the task can seem stress-inducing, organizing your home doesn't have to be. If there is anything I've learned, it's to take a deep breath and take things one step at a time. That's the only way you can get your home organized the way you want it to be. If you'd like to check out any of the titles mentioned or would like to explore more home organization books, please visit our website at www.hcpl.net to browse our catalog or contact your local library. Thank you. This is Rachel Moyer, YA Librarian at Evelyn Meadow Branch Library. And this is Jennifer Nandlal, Senior Adult Program Specialist at the High Meadows Branch Library. So uh, Jennifer, our two segments here, our two things we're interested in, they have a lot in common, don't they? 
They sure do. I think um, when you get your mindset to wh whatever it is, bullet journaling or home organizing, there is a very strong correlation between the two um, because it really helps you with, um, at least for me, it helps me mentally and uh, physically in my work and at home. Yeah, there's something to be said for um, the way physical clutter can cause mental clutter. I think there's been research and stuff on that. I don't have it on hand, but I do find that is the case in my life when I have a particularly messy workspace. It's a lot harder to get my thoughts in order, too. Right. I know for myself, when my workspace is cluttered, or even at home, if I go into my room and the clothes are just in disarray because I just haven't had the time to fold them or organize them properly, that my focus is really lowered. I just can't seem to get my mind around the task at hand. So I have to always stop and just, okay, let me just rearrange what I'm supposed to do, fix what I have to fix, and then I can keep moving forward with my to-do list for the day. I think that's part of why I like both the bullet journal and specifically for me, I like, I know you mentioned the Marie Kondo method. Mm -hmm. I think that it helps slot things in order, just both physically and mentally in a way that really interacts well. I bullet journal. I know I mentioned that before. I don't go as all out as some people do. I know a lot of people use their bullet journals as like a primary creativity outlet. And there's some really beautiful ones online. Mine does not look like that. How about you? Nor, nor does mine. I've been really recently been broaching minimalism. And mm -hmm. my bullet journal, I, I really tried wholeheartedly to make it as creative as can be. But I find that less is more with my bullet journal. So it's mm -hmm. bare bones, it's calendar. And I work very well with lists. So I have a lot of lists going. And I feel that I use a bullet journal more often when I take this minimalist approach and have just the bare bones of what I actually need inside the journal. Before it just wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't conducive to being uh, productive at work or at home. It puts a lot of pressure on you, doesn't it, to have to make it really pretty. I, when I started out, I googled, of course, to see what was out there. And there are a lot of people, I think bloggers in particular, use bullet journals a lot. And yeah. I didn't think about it at the time, but really their bullet journal becomes some of their content because they share it all the time. So for them, yeah. it, you know, making the bullet journal pretty is one of the tasks on their list in their bullet journal. For me, I don't, that's not something I'm interested in or it's not important to me. So when I was trying to make it super pretty all of the time, I'd used it less because it was an extra thing on my to-do list that prevented me from doing everything else, which was kind of a bummer. I do do a little bit of prettification, beautification. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much just, I use different colors, pens, mm -hmm. and like at the start of the month, I throw in a little bit of washi tape, but that's it. I really like that because, and I think that's something that, you know, when you're starting out bullet journaling or even like home organizing, the big, mm -hmm. the biggest takeaway for me is like, it's however you want to do it, you know, if creative, being creative right. and creating monthly themes is your thing, like for sure, definitely, you know, do that. 
and make it your own because that's the only way that I feel you will take it as far as you want to take it and be successful with it and feel better about yourself uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, however you want Mm -hmm. to adapt it to your life, you know? I think a lot of it has to do with figuring out what philosophical underpinning (laughs) works best for you, which is where kind of the idea of minimalism probably comes in. Mm -hmm. Minimalism, I think, is a pretty philosophical kind of approach to organizing things. For me, the idea of minimalism is uh, sort of less is more almost. Mm -hmm. And a way that I try to use it because we were talking offline about, you know, it's easier to minimalize if you have a lot of money, because whenever you need something, you can just go out and get it. And for me in home organizing, one of my favorite things to do, which I actually just did this weekend, is turn my clothes that are in the closet, turn the hangers backwards mm-hmm. so that whatever I'm not using by the end of the year, that whatever item of clothing it is will still be backwards on the cl- in the closet. And mm-hmm. those are the clothes that I will donate because I didn't wear them all year. So I definitely don't need them. Right. I think those kind of little tricks that help us parse time are really useful because <laughs> for me you know if i ha- if i didn't do something physical like that this is a trick maybe i'm gonna borrow from you um <laughs> if there's not like that physical reminder in my head i'll be like no i totally wore it like a couple months ago for sure and it'll have been four years <laughs> yeah <laughs> my brain does not process time right and especially now it does not process time right so that for me doing like chores and things that is important i have a whiteboard in my kitchen where i just have written you know last time i grocery shopped last time i cleaned the kitchen last time i cleaned the bathroom last time i vacuumed because otherwise i'm gonna be like four months in since my last vacuum and be like no i told it why is the floor so dirty i just vacuumed you did not just vacuum it was four months ago so i think those kind of physical little reminders are super helpful and it's also really helpful to figure out what your particular weakness is, you know? Yes, yes, yes. I really like your tip. I actually think I'm going to adapt that to my house too, because I am guilty of the same thing, especially like cleaning the bathroom. That's one of the the tasks that I hate the most. So to have that last time I did clean the bathroom is a good reminder. (laughs) I do think it's important, like from a philosophical standpoint, I'm going to harp on that angle Mm -hmm. a little bit, but if you do implement something like that to make sure you're not approaching it from a shame point of view. Right. (laughs) But the first time I showed this to someone else, I was like, oh yeah, so you can shame yourself because it's been so long since you lasted. I'm like, absolutely not. Because if that's the way I approached it, it would not help. I would not look at it because I would not want to feel guilty, right? Right. I think a lot of these things work better if you're not beating yourself up about it. but it, mindset in general does help i know it sounds it can sound kind of silly being like oh positive mindset but it really does help if you reframe how you're approaching things uh, when i was researching for this segment that is something that came up that thinking of your goals as in a positive way like as something you want to gain instead of something that you're giving up or trying to change about yourself just makes it easier for your brain to do it. Like instead of being like, you know, I need to stop being such a slob. Like I would like to 
walk into my house and have it feel positive to me because it's clean. Like that, that's a better goal than stop being such a slob. Your brain doesn't like that. <laughs> you don't like it emotionally. Right, yeah. Your brain does not like it chemically is a bad way to go about things. So that's been kind of like a game changer for me with this kind of stuff going forward is framing it as something positive always like figure out how you can frame it positively because there are some things where you're like okay the natural way to frame this is negatively how the heck can I frame it positively (laughs) I think that also like framing it positively and just being gentle with yourself because I know for me, I I often have a negative mindset just because I think it's drilled in us from small, you know? And so now as, you know, as a parent, I really try to encourage my daughter to, when she's cleaning, I try not to focus on the negatives, but rather like the positives, like, great, you cleaned up this bin. Oh, that's amazing. Let's both work together to clean this one, you know, and just... Mm-hmm. Be as gentle as can be with yourself and your children and your partners and your family members, because especially during this pandemic, it's really hard to not focus on the positives and really think about all the negatives that are going on. So when you're Mm -hmm. organizing your home, you're making your bullet journals, just be gentle and just try. I mean, I think as long as you're trying and you're, you're testing out different ways that work for you. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the main goal. You know, you're trying and you're doing your best. And eventually you'll get into a method that works well for you, regardless of how you started out. Yeah. Um, and the library is here to help. We have tons of books, tons of apps with streaming services. And that's the greatest thing about utilizing your library when you start these methods, because you have these resources that you can get ideas from and evolve those ideas to your own household. Yeah, because there is so much out there. If you were to like try and purchase every single thing, oh man, your house would definitely <laughs> need to be decluttered. Yeah. <laughs> be able to build a castle out of them. So having access to that stuff through the library is definitely helpful because for some people there is a perfect system out there already there are some people that like swear by one particular thing but i don't think that's most most of us i think most of us probably are going to do best with picking and choosing and having access to the libraries really makes that a lot easier and really just utilize the library in more ways than one, I think, because when you get into, even if it's a phone conversation now because of uh, everything that's going on with your local librarian and, you know, talking to them about home organization or bullet journals and saying like, I'm really interested in starting the process. A lot mm-hmm. of times they've got really good guidelines of what they see that's being checked out that they could probably recommend for you. So on that note, I think we can wrap this up for now. There's so much that we could have discussed and so much more I would love to discuss with anybody that is interested in this sort of thing. We would love to hear from our listeners, from our patrons on what they're doing in terms of mental and home organization. And, you know, please reach out to us if you would like to access any of our materials. We can definitely help you with that here at the library. Yes. Just contact your local library or visit us at hcpl.net and we're happy to help you. Happy New Year. Thank you.
It's the year of the first full-length silent comedy drama, The Kid. The year of Warren G. Harding sworn in as president and a formal end to World War I. Home Improvement Store Lowe's and Restaurant White Castle began this year, and so did Harris County Public Library. 1921. In this, our centennial year, we will celebrate with you the library's history, the history of Harris County, and our stories as a community. Visit our website and social media for a year-long celebration. We're all ready to put 2020 behind us. Whether you have good intuitions about 2021 or are still a little cautious about the future, a few of our librarians are ready to gab about predictions for the new year. Hello, welcome to Gabbing with Librarians. Today we're going to be talking about our predictions for the new year. With me today is Darla Pruitt from Atascacita. Hi, how's everybody doing? Rebecca Trent from Kingwood. Hello, hello. So today, again, we're going to be talking about our predictions for the new year. So Rebecca, what are your predictions for the upcoming year? I do believe that libraries will be more important than ever as we go not only into a new year, but, you know, a new political stance and fighting things. And I'm a children's librarian, so it's very important for children to have a basis of knowledge of what's going on. So we did a little mini program with our head librarian, Rose, about how viruses start in January, not realizing the irony of everything until March came. And, you know, when people need to battle that inf- that misinformation, they're going to come to a library. They need that, you know? Very true. Uh, Darla, what about you? What are your predictions for the new year? I'm going to keep moving forward into this new virtual world. I think especially movies and media have had to find really new ways to adapt new ways to film and record stuff. But I think it's also opened up a lot of doors. You know, it's been sad because Broadway Geek and Broadway's been shut down since March. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how people move and ad- move forward and adapt. It's been interesting to see all, like I said, all the doors open, these new ways to bring theater to people, to bring film. I mean, with no movie theaters, streaming's always you know, been big, well, not always, but has been big the past few years. But it's been interesting to see first-run movies stream, go straight to stream as opposed to movie theaters. I'm actually pretty grateful for that myself because at this time, I don't feel comfortable going into a movie theater. Hopefully that'll change this year, but, you know, I'm grateful that some of the companies are making it available through the streaming services so that I can still see these movies. I really see, for the for me, for the coming year, Something that came up recently that really is not going to affect, well, it can't be addressed in the U.S. very much, but with the big publishers, Penguin, I think it was Penguin Random House and Simon & Schuster, yeah, they're going to be combining and the publishing industry as itself is continues to get smaller and smaller with more companies being swallowed up uh, or joining. And I mean, it's already Penguin and Random House already joined. So now Penguin and Random House are going to be getting Simon & Schuster as well. I'm thinking it was Penguin Random House. I know it's Simon & Schuster, but I'm thinking it's Penguin Random House. That's scary. It is. And those are not American companies, so it's not something that our government can actually address. Those are European and British companies. So we can't really address the monopolies forming in the publishing industries for a lot of the companies because they're not U.S. companies at their core. 
they have U.S. branches, but they're not U.S. companies. Now, some of the other monopolies that are have been forming, like they've already gone after Google. They've already recently they've gone gone after Facebook. I'm like, okay, Amazon's got to be next. I I think Congress and the Senate are going to go yeah. after Amazon next. That that's my big prediction is that I think especially since we moved from a government that favors businesses and we're moving toward a government that is less favorable for businesses, that I think the government's going to be going after these monopolies and trying to break these up a little bit more as we move along into the new year. At least that's kind of my hope because monopolies are scary. Heck yes. I always lose at that game. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But in all seriousness, Um, I mean, we, what I would really wish is that we would have an American publishing company that could, you know, hold itself to a higher standard as these European and British companies where, you know, you want to be able to get that knowledge and those resources out to everybody. With monopolies, it comes higher prices, it becomes taxes on exports, and we'd hate that because every time you see a book from Canada, it says this book is higher in Canada. And you're like, why? This is why. So, you know, we have some of our most favorite authors from all over the world and they should be able to to america with their stories especially with the stories that i'm sure will be coming out next year the, the um, everything that's happened it's just a little playing field so you know businesses have to be more competitive my, and i hear about monopolies is also that more diverse voices will get shut out you know they'll go for the, the bestsellers and the things like that and you know we've had a huge rise in diverse voices and and book and then, you know, is what's going to happen. Some of the smaller imprints are closing and what's going to happen? Are we just going to go back to, I don't want to name authors because I don't want to insult anybody, but, you know, just big name authors as opposed to some of the smaller authors that have more opportunities to make their voice heard. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I agree. We've had seen a huge influx of what's called own voices. And if you don't know what an own voices book is, it means that it's a book that's written by an author that is from the culture or race that they are writing about. So it would be an African-American person writing about an African-American character or an Asian-American specifically, like say Vietnamese person writing about a Vietnamese character, LGBTQ writing about LGBTQ characters. And that's important because the only way to get an accurate representation of what those cultures and races are actually going through is to have those authors and to have that written from the viewpoint that is knowledgeable and has lived those experiences. So we've seen a huge increase in those own voices that I'd hate for the publishing industry to go back and start, you know, reversing some of that trend that we've been fighting for and pushing for to get the the knowledgeable books and so that people can learn about other cultures and races or see themselves in literature accurately. So I think that's true. I I mean, I'm hoping that maybe Congress can do something about to stop these monopolies in the publishing industry from forming. But I really do think that that is something that we might see in 2021 is especially with like a company like Amazon, they've gotten huge, they've got grocery stores and publishing. And I mean, they've got Audible, which is the audio, one of the huge audiobook things, and they're sucking in all these books that you can only get through Audible now. And then they aren't selling books to libraries. Like there's a lot of people who self-publish on Amazon and we can't buy them. So because of their rules, so um, it limits information. And we're being shut out of a lot of things because they're Audible originals, 
There's, you know, they're not producing a lot of the media they're producing is not going to be available to us at all. It's only going to be available to their platform. So I can see that's going to be a huge issue of us getting shut out of not being able to offer these things that people want. We can't offer them to the library because they're exclusive to those platforms. These companies grow, you see. Amazon competing with Apple TV, competing with YouTube TV. But really what I'm hearing through all this is censorship. So what these big companies are going to do in the own voices thread there is they're going to maybe quiet some of those voices because it might not be what people want to hear, you know? So if it is um, an African-American telling a story of her, you know, life as an African-American and or a Native American trying to go to college. We're not going to hear those stories because they're going to say, oh, that paints people in a bad light. We don't want to make anyone angry or upset about it, you know? I, I have noticed that with at least Disney and Netflix and Hulu, which is also now owned by Disney, I have mixed feelings about the Disney monopoly. Let me tell you, <laughs> because I love <laughs> what they're doing with Marvel. So I have mixed feelings about yes. Disney. But at least they are releasing them through DVD as well. So you don't have to get the, you can get their material. You can get their TV shows and different things through the media. I haven't yet to see that from HBO Max. I'm hoping that they will release some of their TV shows on DVD as well because there's some really great things on HBO Max and I really want to see that on DVD so that opens it up to access to everyone and not just their subscribers. But there's a very small, there, there's not a lot of uh, encouragement. There's not a lot of financial reasons for them to do that. So we kind of strayed away from our pre strict predictions. But that's okay. I think, you know, this turns in our predictions and hopes and concerns for 2021, <laughs> which is honestly more it. realistic. Because after last year, who really knows what's going to happen? Exactly. Anyone who's read dystopian novels is kind of getting a little uh, a little antsy. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it's getting kind of well, scary out there. <laughs> I saw a somebody phrased it this way that, Dystopian authors don't necessarily predict the future. What they're writing about is things that they're seeing going on now that worries them for the future. And so they write about what things, if this course keeps going on, what could happen? So they're not necessarily predicting the future. They're looking at what's going on today and saying, what happens if this gets worse? I'm standing on the cusp of 2020, and I'm thinking the same thing. If we could continuing with the craziness of the last 12 months, what are the next 12 months going to look like? I'm hoping and predicting it's going to be better. We've got a vaccine now. So, and as more people get vaccinated, things will hopefully start getting better. For the library, hey, we're getting pretty good at this uh, digital stuff. So, you know. Look at this. We're talking about it on Discord. Exactly. So, for those of you who don't realize, we're actually recording this segment of the podcast through Discord using a bot. So we, we've had to figure out how to do this kind of things. We're figuring, we're doing virtual meeting, we're video editing, we're uh, editing audio. So the library is really advancing technologically through our programming. So that's a big thing. So I'm thinking we will be seeing a lot more of the virtual and streaming type programs come 2021, even after we reopen to regular programming. So that's another prediction. Actually, that's a certainty. That's not necessarily a prediction. I keep telling everybody, our, our team discord that I run is going to be around. You know, even after we open our doors and we have live programs, we're still going to be doing discord programs. We're still going to be, in fact, it opens it up because I have kids all over town and actually one out of state one of the staff members team from out of state is joins us for our book club 
And that's what and you got to love about the internet is that it does open those doors for people who, you know, if we wanted to have a pen pal program with, you know, the library in Kilauea, we could do that because we no one has to be here. You just need access to a computer, which you could find at your local library. And the great thing is, is that even our podcast, we've had a download on our podcast. Someone has downloaded our podcast from Africa. So we do have international uh, listeners for our podcast. Hello, Africa. Well, thank you, Rebecca and Darla, for joining us with today's predictions, hopes, and concerns for 2021 edition of Gathering with the Librarians. Next month, we're going to be discussing the Bridgerton series on Netflix and comparing it to Julia Quinn's Bridgerton series, which it was based off of. If you would like to discuss what you thought of the Bridgerton Netflix series, please just email podcast at hcpl.net. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Happy 2021. Welcome to the HCPL Database Drill, the opportunity to learn the best databases for your questions. If you have a question you'd like to hear covered on Database Drill, email podcast at hcpl.net. This month, we're digging deep into the medical databases. Hi, this is Laura from Collection Development, and I'm going to talk about some of our health-focused electronic resources that I found helpful. Both of my parents had knee replacement surgery this year. This is a fairly common procedure, but this is the first time that people so close to me were having it, and I wasn't able to go with either one of them to their appointments with the surgeon so that I could learn more about it. Since I like to make sure that I'm getting my information from a reliable source, I am a librarian after all, I typically turn to our electronic resources because I know that they contain information from trusted institutions and aren't going to send me into a tailspin of panic. There are three that are my favorite because in addition to articles of a more academic nature, they also have ones that are tailored towards somebody like me who has no medical or scientific background. So the first one is called Gale One File Health and Medicine. They have your typical search box that you can use to conduct your research, but they also give you some other tools. The topic finder lets you see connections between terms and topics by displaying them in either different colored tiles or in a wheel. And however big or whatever color those are shows you how many results they have. So if I type in knee replacement, it's also going to show me terms like joint replacement and total knee arthroplasty that I can use to narrow my results. They also have a subject guide search that lets you use their index to find articles that are tagged with those search terms. So if I start typing knee, I see knee injuries, knee surgery, and knee replacement arthroplasty as suggested subject terms, and I can use one of those for my search instead. So the second one is EBSCO's Health Source Consumer Edition. That one gives you a basic search box, but when I start typing in knee replacement, Health Source offers me related terms like knee replacement surgery or knee replacement rehab that I can choose to search instead so that I'm narrowing my results from the very beginning. One of the cool features with this database is that if your search turns up a result from a magazine that's part of our Flipster subscriptions, it gives you the link straight to that issue in Flipster. But I'll talk more about digital magazines at the end. 
Both resources give you options to narrow your search results by date so that you know you're getting the most current information. You can also adjust font size. You can have the article read to you or even translated into another language, which opens these up to the visually impaired or those for whom English is not their first language. Most of the articles are available in PDF and you can save, print, or email them, which means when I found articles that I thought would be helpful to my parents, I was able to easily email them straight from the database. Both Health and Medicine and HealthSource are subscription databases, so you'll need your library card number to access them from home. But there's one other resource that I'd like to mention. Whenever I hear somebody talk about searching on WebMD, I tell them about Medline Plus because it's a website that was created by the U.S. National Library of Medicine specifically to provide easy to understand information on health topics. When I go to their search box and type in knee replacement, I get an article that explains to me in further detail the basics of knee replacement surgery, as well as links to more articles that tie into that subject. But instead of using the search box, I can also click on health topics navigate to the K section and scroll down to click on knee replacement. This takes me to a landing page that gives me a summary of that health topic as well as more information and it's gathered into helpful categories like basics, learn more and research. Both of my parents went to a physical therapist following their surgery, but I wanted to know if there are exercises that I could start doing in the hope that I can avoid having to have that surgery later myself. So under Living With, I found an article on knee rehabilitation exercises that are typically recommended following surgery for strengthening the affected muscles. In addition to these resources, if you just want to read more about topics of health, fitness, and wellness, I recommend that you check out our digital magazines that are available through both Flipster and Overdrive. Both of these have free apps that are available for Apple and Android products, and the magazines are always available. We have popular titles like Prevention, Eating Well, Men's Health, Women's Health, and many more. And if you're wondering how to get to these resources, just go to www.hcpl.net and click on ebooks and online resources. There you'll find all our electronic resources, which include databases, learning platforms, ebooks, e audiobooks, and more. It's time to toe-tap your way to the 1920s as the camera joins in the centennial celebration with a live stream performance by the Boomtown Brass Band on January 20th at 6 p.m. Join us as we celebrate 100 years of Harris County Public Library with the music in all the dance halls of 1921. Hot Jazz! Whether it's small changes around the home, big changes to your life or profession, or broadening the horizons of you or your children, the library has the book and more for you. Here are just a few great suggestions to get you moving in the right direction. Hi everyone, this is Anna Weinberger from Collection Development. I'm here with five great nonfiction titles for your kids and tweens all about living a healthy lifestyle. 
The first book I have for you today is Germs Are Not for Sharing by Elizabeth Verdict. This is a preschool-aged introduction to germs and how we keep our friends and family safe. It includes topics such as hand-washing, sneezing, and why sharing is a good thing, except for when it comes to germs. The second book I have for you is Breathe Like a Bear, 30 Mindful Moments for Kids to Feel Calm and Focused Anytime, Anywhere. And this book is by Kira Wiley. It has 30 exercises that help readers find calm and gain focus, as well as encourage mindfulness practices that can help at school or at home. The gentle illustrations in this book will help keep younger audiences entertained as they learn to breathe deeply and stay energized. The third book I have for you is Look, I'm a Cook by DK Publishing. It is full of helpful pictures and easy instructions, and this nonfiction title describes what a cook does and then provides a child-friendly recipe to encourage kids to make healthy meal choices themselves with adult supervision, of course. The next book I have for you is Celebrate Your Body and Its Changes Too by Sonia Renee Taylor. This is a great informative guide to puberty for girls ages 8 to 14, all about the changes their bodies will start to go through. It's broken up into chapters and has a very helpful index, so this is a great updated resource for girls trying to navigate growing up. And because we have a book about puberty for girls, we also have a recommendation for our boys. The book is called The Boy's Body Book by Kelly Dunham. It was recently re-released in 2019, so it's full of updated information. And this is a great option for boys who are going through puberty and may have questions about the changes they are experiencing with their bodies. So all of these books can be found in our catalog and they can also be found on Overdrive. So if you have any other questions about books about healthy living for kids and tweens, please feel free to reach out to any of our branch staff and they can help you find the right choice for you and your family. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Using Our Library Voices. Join us in February for a month of celebrations. If you enjoyed this program, we welcome you to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, and everywhere that fine podcasts can be found. For more information about any of the books or resources mentioned in this episode, please visit our website at www.hcpl.net forward slash podcast. This podcast was produced by Nancy Hugh and John Harbaugh, edited by Lloyd Hewn. Hosted by Beth Cripple. Featured presenters were Rachel Moyer, Jennifer Nandlal, Jennifer Finch, Rebecca Trent, Darla Pruitt, Linda Stevens, Laura Smith, and Anna Weinberger.